0: Just jumping into uh, our series on identity and, and finding our identity in Christ. And so I'm gonna just pray for us. And uh, we're gonna jump in, then we're gonna have some more opportunity just to, to worship and get our heart before uh, the Lord. So you guys pray with me. Now, Father, we're very thankful for this moment to receive from you. And Uh, I just know in the deep places in my heart, we don't uh, wanna be distracted from what you have to say to us. So would you just show up here and uh, even maybe steady our hearts and minds. Maybe we had a crazy week in this past week or maybe we have a big one coming up and there's lots of things that might distract us from just receiving from you. And I just ask, Lord, that you would show us personally each what you wanna say. Show us what you are like. Reveal to us who you are and what you say about us, and uh, we thank you for this moment to be able to receive from you. Thank you for being here. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So in 2007, uh, there was a book that came out. It was called The Shack, and and, uh, many people read it. It was kind of... A fire starter book uh, in in the church uh, in the church world because uh, it what it did is is it opened up an idea about how we see God and so there was actually a little uh, firestorm over it because uh, the the depiction of God the Father was actually uh, a black woman in it and then uh, the 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 depictions of Jesus and the Holy Spirit they were they kind of messed with uh your the typical way that we tend to see god and uh, and so what happened is is uh, many people read, read the book uh, and, and then there became this debate as to whether or not it was theologically appropriate. And some people loved it because of the themes that it brought up and the ways that it stirred people. And then a movie came out uh, last year uh, uh, called, called The Shack, and, and it, it gave that same depiction. And, and it was uh, a very, there there's kind of the, like this back and forth. And I'm not here to advocate for or against the book or the movie. In fact, I think all of that is often the stuff that the enemy loves to use to tear the body of Christ apart. What I actually appreciate is uh, the idea that every one of us has to be confronted with how we actually see God. And What I value about that book, whether you agree with it theologically or not, or whether you have issues, or whether you just loved it and thought it was the most amazing thing, was it, it caused us to ask the question, how do I actually see God? I mean, what is, my, what is my take on him? Because this issue of how we see God and how we view him it has an effect on every place and every part of our lives without question. It's one of the defining questions of our lives. How you see God, and it informs and it uh, directs almost everything else. How we do parenting, how we do marriage, how we do our jobs, how we see our friends, how we do uh, boyfriends and girlfriends, how we all these things are informed or are directed by what we believe or what we see about God. But before any of Uh, before uh, it has its way or its effect in our lives and how we live, before any of that, how we relate to God and how we see God first and foremost deals and affects how we see ourselves. Before our idea of God directs how we do marriage and life and family and jobs and all that stuff, it actually informs so much how we see ourselves because each and every moment, every, t- every moment of life, in- inevitably we have a, a, a windfall of emotions that take place, right? Right? It happens all the time. We find ourselves navigating all the time through the decisions that we make, through the moments that we walk into, through the circumstances we have. We find ourselves faced with either anxious thoughts or maybe fears or self-doubt or stress or exhaustion or anger or boredom or disappointment or shame. We all have these emotions uh, constantly coming up. Sometimes joy, sometimes good, sometimes difficult, sometimes painful, but we have these emotions coming up, and what those emotions do is they draw out our actual belief system. We can talk about and say what we believe and why we believe things, but what really brings our belief system to the surface is all the emotions, the range of emotions we experience in life. And when those emotions crop up and come up, what we find ourselves doing is revealing what we actually believe. What do we actually really believe? How do we really, what do we believe about ourselves? What do we believe about God? And the range of emotions calls that up. And so what we see from Scripture is that, Jesus came to redefine how we see God. That who Jesus was and what he said, it shook the way people saw God forever. And uh, if, you have, if you're here this morning, if you, you got in, you came in, um, you got to worship God on the back of that as a set of notes if you want to follow along. Who Jesus was and what he said, it shook the way that people saw God forever. Right for because as, as God's people for the, the previous 2200 years before Jesus ever showed up what they that what there was is this radical amazing God who was moving in power and might. He was the transcendent, holy God. And the people saw his acts of mercy and they saw his acts of power. They saw him deliver uh, people from Egypt and deliver his people from giants. And they saw supernatural provision and and walking with them through life. They saw protection over them as a nation. They saw uh, him walk their people through all kinds of uh, uh, disappointments. They they saw him him walk with him through all kinds of circumstances where they would prevail, even though the odds were stacked against them. They saw the transcendent God, the holy God, and they recognized they could they, year in and after, year out, they could not measure up to him. And they saw him that way. He was demonstrating his power, His majesty, all the time. His goodness, He was demonstrating. He was a provider, He was demonstrating. All of these things, all the time. But everything was done at an arm's distance. Until Jesus came. And what I just wanna submit to us this morning is that Jesus came, and His main mission, the reason He was here, His his three-year ministry. If you wanted to try, there's there are many ways we could try to sum uh, sum up what he was doing, but I think there's nothing more that we could sum up the ministry of Jesus than he came to reveal the Father. He came to show us what the Father was like. If you have a Bible, grab. You need to have. In fact, everybody needs to have a Bible. John chapter fourteen. John 14, if you don't have a Bible, there's maybe one under the chair in front of you or close to you. You grab your phone, jump onto a Bible. John chapter 14. And I want us to explore this scripture uh, together and then see the weight of what it means uh, to us. John chapter 14. Jesus is going to declare and he's showing exactly what it is that he came to do. John chapter 14, we'll start in verse seven. Here's what he says. Listen, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So Jesus is saying, listen, you've seen him. Because you've been with me. And so Philip says to him, listen, Lord, show us the Father. And it's enough for us. So Philip's like, I want, we want to know the Father. It, it's going to be enough. And li- listen, look at what Jesus' response is. Jesus said to him, listen, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of these works or the works that I've been doing themselves. So here it is right here. Jesus wants to make it clear. Listen, if you want to know what God is like, then I want you to look at me. Everything that I do is because of who the father is. I'm revealing him to you. And what the, what the people, the religious leaders, and even just the culture of the day, they, they did not understand. They saw the transcendent, amazing, holy God. And Jesus came down and said, Everything that I've been doing, everything that I am, this is who the Father is. I want to display, I, I am here to display who God is to you, who the Father actually is. I'm here to show you that you have a heavenly Father. And that's what he came to do. I'm here to demonstrate who he is. That's the mission. That's what I'm, I'm not here to get converts. I'm not, I'm not here to, uh, to sell fire insurance to get people out of hell. Listen, when Jesus came, he was coming to say, I want you to know who God is. I want you to see him, who my father is. I'm not trying to start a new religion. I'm not trying to... To do any, uh, I'm not trying to create a new religious program. Here's what I'm doing. I am showing you forever what God is actually like. And everything that I do is a display of who he is. I want you to know the perfect love of the Father. And this is what we see actually throughout Scripture. John chapter 12, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Me, and whoever sees me sees him who sent me. John chapter 10, I and the Father are one. John chapter 5, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the, that the Son does likewise. Colossians chapter 1, He is, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Hebrews chapter 1, he is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Look right at him. Everything that we saw Jesus doing and saying, that's who he was. Jesus was saying, listen, I want you to know my father. I want you to know what's in his heart. And this was where the chasm was between the people of God. They did not know. They knew God as holy and they knew they could not measure up. They felt the gap. And what does a loving God do? When the, the uh, people can't, they don't feel like they're connected, they can't reach to him. What does he do? He sends himself right in among us and says, I want to show you exactly what I'm like. And so often what we think of God is that he's out there and distant, possibly displeased with our inability to, to be faithful or our inability to follow him or walk with him. And what Jesus is saying is, no, listen to me. Everything that you've seen me doing, everything that I've said, every way that I've treated you is ju- just like the Father. Is who he is. John chapter 17, I want you to see this. Verse 23. Jesus is praying and here's, I love this request, this, this declaration from Jesus. Because this is, you know, anytime Jesus is praying, this, you see this interaction of the, etern- the son and the father who've been together forever, right? They're eternally existent. They've always been there. And so here's what he says. Now, look at this. I in them, so this is, he's speaking, he's actually praying about us. All the people that, are follow, that will follow Jesus I in them, Father, you in me, that the people may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. Now look at this. So that, uh, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So here is what Jesus is saying about his ministry. I came, you and me, or them and me, I and you, so that the world would know that you sent me. So meaning God the Father sent Jesus on purpose for this, so that they would know that you have loved them even as you have loved me. So here's the the declaration. The radical, fiery, unimaginable love of the Father for the Son is the exact same love he has for you. So Jesus is coming and doing miracles and raising the dead and setting captives free and binding up the brokenhearted for one purpose so that they can see that the love that God has forever had for his son is the love that he has for you and me right now, right in this moment, right here. Now, I have tried in many ways to wrap my mind around how much the Father loves the Son and then tried to imagine what that actually means for me but hear this. This is the work that Jesus came to do. And then when Jesus left, left his spirit here to convince us of this truth. This is the life-altering message of the gospel, and it is what is meant to go with us each and every day. In every circumstance, In every relationship, in every place we go, this is the radical reality that God has given to us to impart over us. You have a heavenly father, and he loves you just as much as he loves his son. And the way that we know it is he sent Jesus to declare it and to prove it on the cross. And there is nothing, not your sin, not my sin, no falling short can shift or change the fiery, blazing, burning love of the Father for his people. Nothing can change it. Nothing in the universe can change this. The single greatest revelation a human being can have in this life is the unveiling of the radical love of the Father. That's it. There's nothing bigger. There's nothing more transformative. There's nothing more that will fix what's going on in your life and my life or whatever circumstances we're facing or whatever fears or anxieties that we've got. This is the one thing. I have a father who is for me. I have a father who won't leave me alone. He won't, he won't walk away from me. I have a father who will not turn his back on me. I have a father who is bent on proving and has shown that he, is not, he will not hold back from the demonstration of his love for us. It's completely and utterly transformative it changes how we relate to God and it changes all of the sudden how we see ourselves. If you are in this room and are willing to give your heart to the Son of God in Christ Jesus, we have a Father whose love is beyond all comprehension and nothing, nothing can change that. Now, I'm going to ask our team to come back up here, and we're just going to take a moment to ask God to begin to shift this in our minds, because here it's one thing for me to say it. It's another thing for us to ask God to reveal it. If there's no greater revelation on the face of the planet than that we have a heavenly Father who has loved us in the same way that he has loved the Son, then that's gotta be something that has to be supernaturally downloaded. Meaning, and and that's that's a a big way of saying this. Listen, it takes God to reveal this to us. And what we wanna do is be a, a people that faithfully ask God to do it. So here's what I want you to do. Will you just stand with me? In just a moment, we're just gonna take a minute just to engage God's heart. And then I'm, I'm gonna talk about what are the ramifications of this radical love on our lives. But before I talk about what this actually means uh, in our lives, before we talk about the practical application of it in our lives, we've gotta ask for the revelation. And my guess is, is you have at some point in time, maybe just this week or maybe even this morning, you've, you've had that whisper to doubt the radical love of a father. Or you've been tempted to believe that you're not worthy of it or you haven't lived up to this and what God wants to convince us in this place is there is no height or depth that can steal the truth of a Heavenly Father that burns white hot with love for us no matter what. That He will not leave, He will not forsake and He wants to impart this truth to us in a way that transforms how we see Him and see ourselves. And that's what He wants to do. So I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask you to be really bold and begin to pray. Because I don't think there's probably in the church anything more honestly bland than when we start talking about the love of God. It's become so secondary, secondary and uh, 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 second nature, secondhand nature, just one of those things that yeah, yeah, God loves us. And I'm telling you, if we don't have the full revelation of the heart of the Father for us, we will miss what God has to say, to speak, to declare over our lives. There's Nothing more important than getting this in this moment. Father, we are asking by the power of your spirit who's alive and here in this room right now. The one who said he would make his home inside of us. We're asking for a revelation of your love for us. We're gonna take a moment to sing songs, but what we're really asking as we declare these truths and as we cry out to you in song, what we're really asking is, would you open our hearts and our minds again to receive this truth? Because it's not a one-time thing. It's something that you wanna impart each and every day. So just right where you're at, before we start singing, just you have to ask him. You have to invite him. I can't preach you into this place. You're gonna have to be the one that actually asks. If you find yourself in a place where you feel distant from God, this is an amazing moment where you don't have to stay at a distance. And if you feel like you've disappointed the Lord this week, you just get to lay that at the altar. Christ took it on the cross and opened the door God, I thank you that there is not one thing in all creation that can separate us from your love. Would you convince us as we cry out to you and worship? If you want you just have a seat for a moment. Team's gonna stay up here. We're just gonna finish out here in a moment. If it's helpful for you, we're gonna put it up on the screen. Uh, But if you want, you can turn to Romans 8. And there's a ramification for what it means to have a heavenly father. And Paul is writing to the church and he looks uh, at them saying, here, I know what the tendency to do is. Every day as we're walking through we have this heavenly father, but here's what happens. Romans 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And this is what the enemy is constantly trying to do, right? So when we fall short or we've blown it or we forget uh, what God is like, the enemy's looking to pounce on that moment and for us to take on a broken or wrong spirit and fall back into places of fear. And I, I bet if each one of us were able to sit down in a quiet room, up, chairs just across from each other, we could talk how the battle week in and week out that we have is to, to, to try to not shrink back in fear, but to live out of who God is and what he says about us. So, and that's what he's describing here. He's saying, listen, for you did not receive the spirit that God gave. It's not a spirit of fear that causes us to fall back. It's not a spirit of slavery that causes us to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, the sons. So there's, there's a bunch of names uh, in the scripture for the Holy Spirit. Spirit of power, spirit of anointing. But One of the most powerful declarations of who God is, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of adoption. It's one of his names. It's the spirit of adoption. We receive the spirit of adoption as sons. And here's what happens. Here's the result. By whom, from him, we cry, Abba. Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So here's what he's saying. Jesus did not just come to reveal the Father so we could all say, yippee, great. What he said is, is, I wanted you to know the Father so that we begin to live our lives as sons and daughters of the Most High God. So that The base of what we operate out of is the fact that we've been pulled into a brand new family. That there's a complete and utter and different reality that we all get to now walk in. And that is, we have been made and called children, sons, daughters of the Most High God. And from that place, we're meant to say, Abba, Father. As I was uh, describing the, the book and the movie, The Shack that came out, um, one of the clear things that is brought up is how the wife in this story, when she refers to God, when she prays, she calls him Papa. And it's really off-putting to the husband who doesn't understand it. That's, I guess that's how, she, you know, in, in the movie or the book, he's like, I guess that's how she relates to him, like, to call him Papa, and it seems so informal, right? It seems like it's almost like you're, you're, not, you're not treating God with the respect and honor and reverence that he's due by calling him Papa. But in fact, what this scripture is Saying what Paul is building on what Jesus came to declare is this. You can't relate to God without calling Him Papa. Now, listen, you may not have to use that language as you pray, you have to call Him that, but there is a sense in which we can't actually rightly approach God, the Father, without coming to Him and saying, Papa daddy. Dad, here's what I'm walking through. Dad, here's what's going on in my life. He's trying to, he's saying this, it, listen, we want to know God is holy and transcendent over all. And he is. And we fear and reverence him with, without question but he also is the one who comes near. Jesus came to reveal the Father, but his spirit is here now telling us we're sons and daughters. You understand? That's what he's trying to say. Now, what I know is this inherently, and I'm gonna wrap it up pretty quick here so we can just finish in worship. What I know is this, is Assuredly, assuredly as I say that Jesus revealed the Father and the Spirit is now in us declaring we are sons and daughters. Every one of us has a, in some way, shape, or form a messy family story. Because the truth is, is when I say father or I say dad or I say, Papa, it hurts a little bit. Because some of us had some great dads, and some of us had dads that were abusive. And some of us had dads that were neglectful, and some of us had dads that were absentee, or some of us had dads that were spiteful, or maybe even just plain evil. And so when we talk about the father, we can't, it's hard to extrapolate when we try to come to God as the father, what ends up happening is flashes of hurts or wounds or things that we've picked up along the way in our own experiences in this life. And so what Jesus is trying to say here is, listen, through the spirit of God, what he wants to convince you of is whatever shortcomings your parents had in this life, you need to know you have always had a perfect father. If your parents were messy and broken and wounded you, hear this, you were never ever left without a father who loves. Never once. So Paul's saying, grab onto this thing and say, Abba, Papa, Dad, And walk through this with everything. You have a perfect father and he wants to talk to you and he wants to be with you and he wants to be near to you and he wants to hear about your day and he wants to be with you in those moments where you felt alone and he wants to show you who you are and the family that you're a part of and he wants to reorient your identity so that you don't walk around wounded anymore. And so he's pointing Say, listen, say, you may relate to Jesus as Savior and friend and king, and you're good with Jesus, but when you think about the Father, He seems distant. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, whatever you've seen in me, that's what the Father's like, and He's always been with you. And he's, and he's speaking and declaring truth. He's the caretaker of your soul. He's the one who covers you when the stuff is hitting the fan. He's the one who stands in front of you on a dark and stormy night and someone comes to the door and says, I'll, I'll stand in the door. I'll answer the door for you. That's who he is. And what the spirit of God is meant to do is to get our hearts to Believe that that's who he actually is, that he's like. So that I believe this, I am cared for. Because there are moments in your life where you've not felt cared for. I am protected because there's been moments in life where you've not felt protected. I am provided for, I am accepted. This is what the spirit of God is looking to do in us. It's what he wants to accomplish. It's his purpose. It's his plan. He wants you to say, I am a son of the most high God, so I'm going for it. I'm a daughter of the most high God, so I don't have to shrink back. I've been given a brand new name and a brand new family. And I'm going to walk in it. And I'm gonna walk out of that truth and that power and that reality and believe this with everything inside of me. And listen to me. This is where it begins to shift the reality of our lives. Because let me tell you, when you have a perfect father in heaven, guess what? We're free to forgive our fathers who failed us here. We're free to bless mamas who didn't stand for us. We're free to forgive spouses who spoke broken words, or we're free to forgive or to love on kids who are running a million miles in the opposite direction of you. When we're sons and daughters, we're completely and utterly free to operate out of all that God has called us to be and do. But we gotta believe it. To to be able to walk away, listen, you want to crush, you've got a, a, a paralyzing sin going on in your life and you're going, I don't know how to overcome this. I can't get past it. Let me tell you, five minutes on our knees before Papa, before Abba, letting him wash over us his radical love and mercy is a game changer. It begins to shift the realities of our lives and that's what he wants to do. God's here to shift. We have just a few minutes. So stand, would you stand with me? We're gonna just close out our time here. Here's what, you're, here's what I'm, I'm gonna encourage you. I'm asking you to pray right now. God, would you convince me I'm a son of yours? Would you convince me that I'm a daughter of the king of the universe? And I am, because of that, I am free to live, to be wholehearted in abandonment to you and wholehearted in my love for people around me. And I am not held back in any way. And I'm I am able to step out by faith in whatever you're asking me to do and whatever business venture you're calling me into or whatever partnership in ministry or whatever way that you wanna use me in the lives of the people around me and whatever way that, God, you want to restore and fix things that are broken in my home or whatever it is, I do it because you've made me a son. You've made me a daughter. Nobody can steal that from me. Would you convince me right now? And as we sing these last couple of songs, would you just ask him to convince you Lord, we're not going to leave this place without being transformed. How we see who you are and how we see ourselves. God, do this in us.